Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. Or Duggan. Or Duggan. Yes, that's right. It's Aaron Duggan this week on the pod uh, with I'm the Duggan. My, my family crest sweatshirt. I should <laughs> just add, it, add a G to it. You should put you should put the hypno toad on there. That's what you should do. Put the put the hypno toad on there. Are you suggesting what? First of all, uh, fringe element, great show today. Sam Khan going to join us from the Athletic. He's the tech expert that we're is going to join the show. Self proclaimed tech expert yep. uh, has covered all things Texas high college football forever. Uh, has covered TCU. Was at the game at the Fiesta Bowl. So we're going to break down the t- the TCU Georgia championship game, of course, today on the show with him. A lot of fun stuff to do. We'll get into. Some, I, I've got a. I found a bizarre completely random stat about Bryce Young and Hennon Hooker that I think we've got to get into. And of course, yep. we'll talk We'll talk Georgia as well. But you're telling me that the, and all brought to you by J.E. Dunn, jedunn.com. If you want to make a career move, go to J.E. Dunn. Um, you're telling me that the Dugan slash Duggan family has a crest? Like you have a family crest? You're that important that you have a crest? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if another Dugan family has this crest. So but... like how many generations went back to creating said crest? I don't know. It's it's this is a there's a beer there's a pub in Ireland that I don't know if our fa- I don't know if it's my family that owns it or not, but this sweatshirt has been at our house for forever. <laughs> and it says I, I guess my family was established in 1894 or the pub was. I'm not sure which one. Uh probably about the same. Uh probably mm-hmm. the same thing. Uh also also tracks though, considering the TCU quarterback's hair color and lack of soul. Uh I also know. tracks. Although I don't like, know if he's Irish or not. So um please don't talk about my cousin like that, first of all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> second of all, Sorry, talent levels pretty much equal all across the Dugan family. I don't know <laughs> if I could say the same for you given the events of the weekend, but I'll let you share that later. Oh man. Well, if you listen to the pod on Sunday, you know that a kid went to the ER at my Halloween or my Halloween, my New Year's Eve party, college football playoff party, and I pulled a hamstring racing other drunken grown men at halftime of the George Ohio State game. Um, which means God, I watched, which means I, which means I enjoyed the second half of the game thoroughly icing my leg while drinking whiskey and chugging whiskey. <laughs> yep. We all know. Well, I'm uh, going to go kid, ahead. By the way, by the way, th- I, 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 clearly you, you missed the whole, the kid's fine, by the way. I can't believe you didn't even ask. Well, I, the I, child is okay. I'd, I've talked to you before this, but tell the people that no, your child's injury was not the worst of the day. Wasn't my kid. Wasn't my kid. Oh, wasn't your kid? No, 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 no. There were there were ten adults, ten children, all under the age of seven. One got the hand slammed in the door upstairs while we were all oh. downstairs drinking and bad parenting. But they go, they had to go to the ER. But he's all good. Everything's fine. And then a couple hours later, I pull a hamstring. That's a far worse injury. So um, we learned. Listen, my ego has learned its lesson. Um, has I it? Have, oh my god! I, yes, this is the best year ever. <laughs> I am not, in fact, faster than Tom Brady, which was the crux of the entire argument. Brayden's um, <laughs> ego learned its lesson. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh, God. Shut up I'm just up. kidding. Let's do a J.E. Dunn ad because you know what will make you as happy as um, J.E. Dunn will make you as happy. I'm doing that this week as. What, do you have a puppy? Is that a real life puppy? This is Eddie. That's a real live puppy. Holy Eddie. smokes. That's a good looking dog. Um, We adopted what? him. I, this is actually my brother's Christmas gift from me. What kind Eddie, of dog is that? He, we think, <laughs> yes, Eddie, go, brother. <laughs> J.E. Dunn. Our show brought to you by J.E. Dunn and this this adopted dog. We he think he's eating, a lab mix. He's eating the microphone like all good Dugans. They have lots to say. They do. Um, He has one blue eye. So he's I named, noticed that. He's named not only after Eddie George, but also the pale blue eye from Edgar Allan Poe's poem. I don't know which one it was. Uh, that's that's too deep for our for the show, but but but, but, but Eddie it's a nice work. Eddie George is good. Look at that pup. Look at so, that. So yeah, Je Dunn. Like what an ad. What an ad. Not what? a good weekend for Ohio State alumni though. That's for sure. Go dogs. Uh, so go to Je Dunn, of course. And I listen. Their offices are so cool. We talk a lot about how cool their offices are. I don't know if you can bring your new puppy to the office. I'm I know not sure. it makes me sad. Well, good thing I have my own office. I can bring my puppy wherever I want. Yeah, he's, he's, you're not going to have much it's of not an my office. Puppy. If you're watching this on the YouTube, by the way, which you should rate, review, subscribe, then you are going to learn that Eddie there, is, there's a there's a chance that there's not much office left at the end of the show when Eddie's yeah. done chewing. <laughs> Eddie might eat the whole office, but it's fine. He's, he's gone from podcast to headphones. And here's we'll Sean. Do you want your puppy back? Look at that. That's a gorgeous puppy. I've been trying to convince my wife to get a second dog, and she's and I because I want the overlap dog. Right? We have a 65 pound Tennessee brown dog. That's what we call him. Found him on the side of the road. 
He's, he's a good dog. He's a we, good dog. We've had Hank for almost 10 years, more than 10 years. And I want he's getting old and I want the overlap dog to try to extend his life a little bit. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm when you see know. two dogs together, it'll make you never want like one dog alone again. I they know. Play. You got to yeah. have the overlap dog. It extends the life of the first one. You got to have the overlap. dog. I actually agree with you on this one. Jdun.com, Of course, maybe you could bring your dog to the office at Dunn. But if you're looking for a career change and if you want to make some. I'm, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. I'm big on New Year's intentions. And if you would like to have an intention this year to make your life more fulfilling, to find a career that is more fulfilling, a place that cares about you as much as you care about you, then Jay Dunn is the place to go. JDunn.com, over 200 uh, openings right now at the company, $5 billion in annual revenue, top 100 healthiest place to work. You guys know the drill. Go sign up. Go check it out. Go peruse the offerings and see if there's something you like. You don't need any experience in construction. Just go look at the website, go look at the company, and tell us you don't think it's awesome to work there. And maybe you can bring your brand new puppy in who will chew I, up everybody's shit. I actually had a friend text me yesterday, and this is a real story, who's done interior design, but she also does architecture. She went to school for architecture. And she Fancy. texted me and said, do you know anywhere I could work that has something to do with contracting, architecture, whatever? I'm miserable at my job. And I was like, actually, I do. <laughs> I, I'm not I was kidding. Like, <laughs> it's she's like, Dugan, you would have like a you would have just like a answer in the vault for me without and, and even here, having to think. And here's and this is the God's honest truth. I know everybody says this on every podcast or radio show or TV show. If we did not, if they were not our sponsor, we would tilt, we I would still tell you jedun.com. Like yep. that's why they're our sponsors, that we would actually do this in real life for our friends. You've been high not, on them for a minute. This is not, these are people I know. These are people I trust. We at our company, we don't partner with people we don't know and don't trust and don't use in our own lives. So again, uh, when this whole podcast empire thing comes crashing down, I'm gonna I'm gonna go work at J Dunn. <laughs> so, so take your you dog. You're allowed to. I'm just starting rumors. People are gonna show up with for their first day of work with their puppy and they're like, excuse us. So like, it's yeah, Aaron it, said. Yeah, we said it was fine. Um, it's, it's science. So the Georgia Bulldogs appear to be crashing down to earth in most of the game against Ohio state. Now, Steven Lassen and I, of course, if you checked out the Sunday morning, uh, the morning after pod, uh, as we called it, if you check that out, then you'll have learned a lot about what we think about the game, but you have not had a chance to talk about it. So as the day is unfolding, watching Michigan and TCU, watching cousin Dugan <laughs> yeah. play quarterback, by the way, probably his worst game. Uh, of the season yeah. they still figure out a way to win and constantly answer the bell and then the georgia ohio state game happens H how was your new year's eve du dukes how did you take it all it was it was good i um had plans like dinner plans and a party with some friends but that was all intermixed with the games were on while we were getting ready before and then dinner there's luckily there were tvs or else no way the virgin hotel is where we went and they had um they had like a huge, like big screen TV or else I would have been not committing to like to these particular New Year's Eve plans. Like Virgin Airlines, Virgin cell phones, Richard Branson Virgin. Yeah, you know, there's a Virgin Hotel. It's right over I, by the studio. I did not know there was one in, in Nashville. I, you you know, I don't mm -hmm. run in your cool hip influencer circles. I'm not I I, I live in the. I OK, live in the, uh, Corey Forrester, I'm not an influencer. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, but there's your tease right there. We might be talking to old Corey here coming up in a little while as the dogs do end up eventually winning. So how how like when you watch the games happen? I mean, obviously, it's the best semifinal weekend probably in the history of the sport. What? Yep. What, what do you when, when you watch? Head? Yeah. Like when you watch Georgia come back and make that win, Setson Bennett, 10 of 12 for 190 yards, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They, they come back and make, you know, just huge clutch throw after clutch throw after not playing a very, very good game. What What's no. your takeaway from how Georgia performed in that game? Well, I, I mean, you look at Georgia towards the beginning of that game and it's they were having trouble making adjustments. You're kind of looking at them like, I don't know if it's y'all's day today. It's just does this isn't looking good. I do think that um, I mean, Ryan Day looked more confident in scheme a lot of the time. Of course, we saw Kirby do one of the most clutch, make one of the most clutch timeout calls of all time. So, I mean, not downplaying what Kirby Smart was able to do, but you're looking at that game at the beginning and George is going like three and out right after the half and three and out again, and then they can't make adjustments on defense. And C.J. Stroud is, you know, um, being able to just like roll in out of sacks and, you know, just you're kind of watching like, okay, this might be – this might have not been the this might have been a bad draw for Georgia to have to play Ohio State in the first game, which we already all knew that's not the opponent that they wanted. Um, 
but some but you have to keep it in the back of your mind if you've ever watched Stetson Bennett play or you know giving credit to the team as well it's hard to rule them out but I was looking at the TV like oh, I don't know about this yeah it, it was like the throw I think it was the end of the third quarter where they got into the red zone they had gone for it on fourth down and Brock Bowers does the spectacular mm. sideline dance with like his hand and gets the first down they they rule it fourth that they rule it a turnover on downs they go to break they come back and it's like first down georgia and so i was like first of all ridiculously bad television there but yeah, we, we we come back and then they go through the same like on like second down or something he throws it to ladkey on like the fake end around he wasn't even an option in the play and they lose like nine or ten yards because the ball's fumbled and i was just going like this ain't his night yeah like he's been so good most of his career clutch situations. I think he's 23 and one, 24 and one now as a starter. And you're just going like, I, this isn't it, man. Ohio state played the best game. Ryan day had a great game plan. I think you're right to point out the Kirby smart timeout. Cause that was a great call by Ryan day. And then a great counter call by Kirby smart and no controversy. I just thought it was two great coaches like chess matching each other to, to death in like a very, very important moment. And it just, Georgia happened to get the, the split second better Ben read that end of that deal, but then Bennett comes back and it's just brilliant. And so I, I you know, it, it's just like, you can't kill him. that. And he said this, and this is, I, I've gotten some heat on Twitter for this dudes. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't think that was even anywhere close to the best game Georgia could have played. It was one of the best games Ohio state played. If not the best game they played the entire season. And a bunch yeah. of Ohio state fans on Twitter are like, what are you talking about? That was all Ohio state. I'm like, okay. Ohio state played a great game, but don't tell me that's the best Georgia could have played. It's not. Which means I'm nervous about Monday night if I'm a TCU fan. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know what a bad dress rehearsal does. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it obviously there's nothing bad about winning in the semifinals, but they did. I I did see Georgia struggle in ways that, you know, they weren't significant enough to cost them the game, but it was pretty close. And yeah. you could tell that, you know, Ohio State, I think, did a really good job of just um, controlling what Georgia was able to do on the ground. You could tell when Georgia gets down, they want to run the ball. And really, Ohio State, if we want to give them a nod and keep the Twitter haters out of your hair a little bit, I mean, Ohio State did a really good – you're like, I don't care. He loves. Well, no, he, I think they played a great game. Like, yeah, Braden loves the Twitter series anyway, so keep it coming. Yeah, yeah I think Ohio um, State played a great game. Uh, yeah, four, year, and, four days later, I still think they played a great game, but four days later, I don't think Georgia played a great game. I, yeah, no, I, I mean, that that's – there's a lot of things that Ohio did, Ohio State did to put themselves in the best situation to try to take it. And a lot of that, what I'm just saying about being able to control Georgia's run game, it's extremely difficult to do. And Ohio State really limited the way Georgia was able to play. Um, thankfully, Georgia had Setson Bennett, who and his leadership and his just ability to put the ball in the right place ended up um, being the difference. But it was a good game. And I think what's going to be interesting moving forward, looking at the TCU matchup, and I don't know if there's anything else you have, because again, I think the morning after you react a certain way to a game and then you kind of let it sit for a couple of days. And I think you kind of come around on different things and you let you let it kind of, you know, you, you bathe in it a little bit more. And sometimes you need some t days removed to understand truly what happens. I do think, and, and Seth Emerson was on the Lamestream Sports Podcast. Uh, go check that out. Who covers the Georgia Bulldogs. We talked for like 35 or 40 minutes about covering Georgia. And, and sort of media side of things. And one of the things I asked him was the Stetson Bennett story. And this really speaks to what's going to happen on Monday night. We'll talk about the X's and O's. Sam Khan's going to join us a little bit later on. Um, but I think what's interesting, the most interesting part of the matchup is that we have largely two unprecedented stories, no matter what happens on Monday night. And Seth Emerson said this to me on our show. He said, I think no one's going to appreciate the Stetson Bennett story because you and I started the whole show last week with this. Yes. No one's going to appreciate the Stetson Bennett story, especially if he wins a second national championship, until we're sort of removed from it. Like we're going to need time away from the two national championships and the time. Like we're going to need. Why is that? That's a great human psychology <laughs> question. I don't know. I, I, I think mean... probably probably because we're tired of hearing the same. Like people know the story, like Juco walk on, then he goes Juco and then he comes back and then he's beaten out in the Arkansas game. He, he comes into the Arkansas game and then he's beaten out. And then, you know, people wanted JT Daniels. Like, I think we've heard that story so much over the last two years that we're just sort of fans are just sort of like tired of it. Right. And so I think, I think we're going to need like six, eight months or like two years. And then like the 30 for 30 is going to blow our minds. 
Oh, I'm sure. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And I, I do think that people, the argument against Stetson being this, you know, standout, going to go down in history guy that we talk about him being, I know people's argument a lot is who he's throwing the ball to look at like, he's got a six, seven tight end. He's got all these NFL wide receivers. Like, you know what talking about that side of it, but what the most impressive thing about sets and Bennett is, is not his really just physical ability to me as much as his, um, his mindset, the fact that you can do what he did with all of the hate and then come from behind. Like he's one of those, he's got some, you know, we talk about Bryce young, like Bryce young just does what Bryce young does. Like no matter where they are, he can figure out a way to finish it. And Stetson Bennett can do that without the gut, like, the same amount of NFL talent that Bryce Young right. has, in right. my opinion. So, you know, make it less about the the physicality of him. He doesn't look like you think a, you know, a Heisman quarterback or like, you know, all of these like standout NFL quarterbacks look like. But the kid, you can't get him down. No, so. and I I think what's interesting about the looking ahead to TCU in the matchup is I don't know if TCU has the same type of personnel in the front seven. Now they've got a couple of names. Everybody needs to know Dylan Horton is a great defensive player who had a great game, four sacks against Michigan, two sacks in the big 12 championship game. Um, you got D winters as a linebacker for them that runs around. So they've got a couple of nice pieces. They also have a freshman nose tackle. They don't have a bunch of Jalen Carter's over there. So I think Stetson Bennett, Georgia's offense, they're going to do whatever they kind of are given. If it's, tight ends over the middle if it's outside receiving if it's running the ball with Kenny McIntosh if it's Stetson Bennett on bootlegs like they're gonna do kind of whatever TCU they're they're gonna let TCU dictate what they need to do and then they're just gonna do it and so I don't think TCU could stop them the over under 63 yeah. I mean I don't think TCU's defense can stop them so what do you think's happening in T you kind of already answered this question but just to dive a little bit deeper what do you think is happening on the practice field in the practice facility at TCU leading up to this game. Cause like you just said, you know, is, do they just pick, they pick an approach and Georgia does the opposite. Like what, what do you think is happening in TCU? Like specifics of them prepping for this matchup. It So much focus is going to be, is on like, see like Bryce young attacking Georgia's defense in the sec championship game. So much of was on, was on CJ Stroud attacking the Georgia defense with all those receivers and weapons. And so much of this game's focus is going to be Max Cousin Duggan and Quentin Johnston <laughs> and Kendra Miller, who's supposed to be healthy yeah. for the game. He's their 1,400-yard running back for TCU. Really, really good player. Missed most of the game against Michigan. So much of the focus is on that side of the ball and that matchup. The other side is super complicated because Joe Gillespie, who's the defensive coordinator for TCU, runs kind of that 3-3-5-ish type of stuff. He was at Tulsa, but he was great. Sonny Dykes just hires him to be the coordinator because he couldn't beat him at Tulsa. So that's why he hires him. If you can't beat him, hire him. Um, and and he's been very, very good. They, I just don't know what you do to Georgia's offense. Like if you, if you play man coverage, that might be like, <laughs> I don't, like they, they, they're so creative and, and versatile in what they do. Todd Munkin has done a brilliant job creating other parts of the offense that weren't there under the previous regime. And that is the motion stuff, like the the tight ends over the middle and, you know, Bowers be, being involved in the running game sometimes. Like, they're right. just – they're so creative. I don't think you can line up and say play in the box and make it a tight game. I mean, I think that's traditionally what you would do. But I think Gillespie's going to have a pretty creative game plan for Georgia's offense. I just don't think they got the dudes. I think they have a couple of them. Good linebacker, good defensive lineman, good corner, but I don't nice safety. I don't I don't know if they've got enough pieces. This is going to be a if it's a high scoring game, then TCU's got a chance, just like the Michigan game. But if yeah. it's low scoring, I I mean it's it, I mean if Georgia gets the thirty three points, I think that's a W. Like that's and I don't see how they get stopped. So um, the other side is far more fascinating. It's like, what does Georgia do to stop Quentin Johnston? They're going to focus on him. Keely Ringo did not play a good game in 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 that champion in the semifinal. He's been beaten in in man to man coverage. Are they going to play? Are they going to double Quentin Johnson the entire time? Future first round pick for TCU, and then force everybody else to beat him. That's that's what I would do. Um, Sam Khan's going to say this later because I asked him. I said, "What's the mad scientist thing that TCU is going to do on offense?" And because like you know how you always like AJ McCarron famously came out in the 2011 BCS championship game against LSU and just threw the ball right at Tyron Matthew. 
That was the that was the same year as the nine six game, all defense, no offense, sophomore quarterback, and they just threw the ball right at Tyron Matthew the whole time. <laughs> and it was one of those like, whoa, that's weird. We didn't expect that, and they beat him on that. So yeah. it's like, what's the what's the the thing that TCU is going to do? And I could see it being like three tight ends, two fullbacks, and Max Duggan running power eye, Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles style shit. And I don't know if you can do that against Georgia. <laughs> I don't know if you can either. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, TCU's ability to uh, throw the ball deep and do so successfully. And the inner, like, I mean, Max Duggan had four interceptions going into this game this weekend all season um, and then had two against Michigan, which, you know, that's easy math, but it's a lot for how many he had thrown out the course throughout the course of the entire season. I do think just like you said, with Georgia having a not great dress rehearsal might lead to a good performance. Maybe we see the same thing with Max Duggan in terms of, you know, that was a messier game for him than yeah. we'd seen all season. So maybe he kind of locks it up and, you know, is all dialed in and does what he, what he does is the question is, will it be, will it be enough against Georgia. I mean, those chunk plays, obviously, and playing a team that is as talented just and deep as Georgia is, being able to make up, you know, for lost time with those huge chunk plays is going to be really critical for them to even keep it close. Um, but it's going to be tough. To me, it's number one, if I'm Sonny Dykes, it's how do I use Max Duggan's legs to sort of create this superhero, super quarterback moment? Because to your point, and th this is some Bennett versus Duggan stats here for you. So in the last two games for Duggan in championship settings, right? Big 12 championship game and against Michigan, he was 18 of 36, 50% completion, 251, seven yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception passing. A that's average stuff. Last week or on Saturday, 14 of 29, 48% passing, 225, 7.8 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So in two championship game settings, three passing touchdowns, three interceptions, and sub-50% completion percentage. Now, the difference between him and, and, and Stetson Bennett, because I'll get to Bennett's numbers in a second, which are mm -hmm. freaking insane. Uh, Duggan had 15 carries, rushing attempts in both of those games, uh, 170 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground. So how to use him creatively and and, and allow his dual-threat capabilities to sort of lead the offense, because I with Kendra Miller as a bona fide threat to run the football. Right. And Georgia having to focus on both aspects of that, but also moving Quentin Johnston around. Like, this is the issue. They've got other weapons. They've got, you know, Davis and Bailey and Barber. They've got some nice other pieces, but nobody like Q. He's a first-round pick in the NFL. If, if They're going to bracket him, double him, safety help him, something. So the question is, can Sonny Dykes and, and Lincoln Riley's little brother, by the way, Garrett Riley, figure out a way to move him around creatively. Like maybe he lines up in the backfield. Maybe he lines up in the slot. Maybe you're motioning in as a tight end. Maybe figuring out ways to get him on the move pre-snap so that you're forcing Georgia to either show what they're going to do in a coverage situation or get him into sing singular situations in space where he can make plays. Because you can see it against Michigan. Like they could not, they had no answer for him in space at all. Yeah. Yeah. Just... He definitely sees the field. You can you can tell by just watching him the way that he sees the field and just yeah, giving him time to actually run around and set them up to be in a situation where they can combat Georgia, you know, double covering most, their most powerful weapons on the other side. So here are Bennett's numbers in the last four, like let's call them championship games, championship okay. setting games. So I'm counting the Michigan. I'm counting um, Ohio State semifinal the LSU SEC championship, the okay. Alabama national championship, and the Michigan semifinal from last year, right? So the last four that were like yep. where a ring was on the line. I'm not counting. If you'll notice, I only went back four games. I didn't go back to the Alabama SEC championship game. But Yeah, well, that probably helps your case. This is four straight games in which an SEC or national championship was on the line. Okay. 83 of 119 passing. That's 69.7%. Okay. 398 against Ohio State, 274 against LSU, 274 against Alabama in the championship game, 313 against Michigan. Over 10 yards in attempt against Michigan, 8.6 against Alabama, 9.4 against LSU, 11.7 against Ohio State, 12 touchdowns, one interception. Jesus. Quarterback ratings of 189, 204, 163, and 187. 
So while Duggan has this otherworldly thing he does on the ground, which I assume you've got an athlete that you can spy him with if you need to for Georgia, if you're Kirby Smart and all those defensive coordinators. But Duggan just under 50% in two championship settings and Stetson Bennett playing arguably the best football I've ever seen in in multiple four straight championship setting games where he is just, and oh, by the way, added a, a rushing touchdown on against Ohio State. So in a two-point conversion too. I, I just... I don't I don't know how TCU 13 no and further a half. No further questions. Thank you. <laughs> like it does come down to the quarterbacks. If Bennett has a terrible game like he did in the first three quarters and Duggan does something superhuman, uh, then that then there's maybe a chance that this is a close game. But um, 13 and a half seems right. I keep going. People keep asking me for my predictions and I'm kind of like 34 to 20, 33, 13. Like I'm kind of right in that 20 points to to 12 to 10 point margin and that's right where the, the Vegas number is what so. do they think total points is going to be when it's in the 60, 60 63 63 I think yeah 62 yeah I, I don't mean, know man I think listen unprecedented story if TCU wins the national championship it is unprecedented god For, last first time team, last time it happened 1938 well also first unranked team in yeah. playoff history to get to the national championship, a preseason unranked team to get to the national championship. Preseason game. unranked weren't even weren't even a thought until week five. Someone put them at the number twenty five spot. Yeah, S- seventh in the in the Big Twelve preseason. This will be the second straight non conference champion to win. Third overall, seventeen Alabama last year's Georgia, and now this year, no Big Twelve team has ever won a playoff national championship. No first year head coach has ever won has ever even been to the national championship game. So, like, TCU is trying to do things that have never been done, like, across the board. Coaching, quarterback, roster, conference. Just, it's unprecedented. Obviously, Stetson Bennett's story is kind of unprecedented as well. But it's a, I don't like using, like, the Cinderella clock strikes midnight kind of deal thing. But it does, it feels, I, I, I am, how about this? SEC fans, I'm sorry. I am openly rooting for TCU. Openly rooting for, for TCU in the story. But it's. It's tough not to. It's really uh, tough not to. It because is. the thing is, this, because I, I think the storytelling side of us that loves that, you know, for lack of a better word, Cinderella tale, it already happened with Stetson. We already Kinda, saw yeah. that Cinderella. Like, he, he didn't turn into a pumpkin last year, and everything played out, and whatever. But Two, two fourth-quarter touchdown drives against Alabama in the national title game. What else do you want, know. Georgia fans? <laughs> Let's just see if the, the glass slipper might fit. Oh, it's going to be a I, tough one. I'm rooting for TCU, but I, my, my, my prediction is Georgia by, like, three touchdowns. I think there is a chance that TCU scores, like, 10 points in this game. And I'm, I, I don't want that to happen. I want it to be 38-34 with three minutes to go, Stetson Bennett with the ball. Like, that's what I want to see. Or Duggan with the I ball. Would, like, that's I would I love that. And I, you know logically it's it probably makes more sense to take you know it makes more sense to be very 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 ready to see this be a blowout but i just don't think it's gonna be there's something i hope like, you're right electric about they've got something going on there's yeah, drinking they some kind of magic potion hypnotoad would, baby it's a hypnotoad hypnotoad <laughs> i would kill it. i would kill to see how Sonny Dykes like led like be in the locker room or fly on the wall for yeah. honestly not just the past couple of weeks but throughout the season of how to I mean because they they think they think they can do it and I, well and I honestly, I'm kind of you know you're kind of with them you're gonna, you're gonna I don't know up, think they can I don't know I don't upset? think they can win no, no no I don't think they'll upset but I just I didn't think that you know, I didn't even think they'd get this far. So it's hard for me to yeah. say like, oh, they're only going to score 10 points and it'll be a blowout because I, I'm i not doubting them that much. Anymore. I'm trying to will it. I'm trying to will it into existence. A close yeah. game. Manifest um, it. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's the deal. Like if you're trying to put a recipe together for a team, a team that is extreme, like again, the Ohio State team in 02 went up against Miami. Miami was like the best team ever assembled. They won the national championship in 01. They come back in 02 and they're undefeated and they're playing the national title game. And this sort of upstart Ohio State team that also was loaded with NFL players, by the way, a little different than TCU because it's a, such a big brand. They, they sort of slowly figured out how to win the entire season. They play close games. They get to the national title. They get into overtime and they get a break, right? They get the pass interference call and they and the game goes on and Ohio State wins the game and they pull off the, one of the biggest upsets in national championship history. But that's Ohio State. That's Maurice Claret. That's five stars everywhere. Here's the five-star ratio. And I, I don't want to actually, I don't want to steal that. Sam's going to tell you the five-star ratio 
in the interview, and he it was it's absurd. It's a, it's an absurd difference between Georgia and TCU. But here's what they do have. I think they have a really great coaching trio at the top with Dykes and Joe Gillespie on the defense and Garrett Riley on the offense. I think that's really, really solid. I think they've got a star quarterback who refuses to lose and carries them. They've got an NFL, couple of NFL weapons on offense. How deep do those weapons go? That's a, that's a question. Um, the defense is a major problem, but if you've got a star quarterback with a really good coaching staff and a team that's bought in and believes, that's kind of the recipe for the upset. Um, and frankly, every single time Michigan threw a punch, like TCU didn't give a shit. <laughs> so, so. Right. I mean, we will. Uh, I will also follow that up by saying this in a championship situation, this is the hardest sport that we watch, like a revenue sport, I think, to pull an upset like that. Oh, yes. No question. It's, yeah, it's just that's 60 minutes of the most physical game you can possibly play. I mean, we saw it happen. Was that the night before last? The the NFL situation. Oh, we saw yeah, how yeah. dangerous and physical this game can really be. Which, yeah. by the way, I just got a notification that he's doing better. So, oh, seriously? Yes. We're let taping this. We're taping this on Wednesday morning. Did you actually have? Like, I think it's worthy of an update if you actually got. Yeah, it. let me see. It just came through, but as long as it's from the family, I don't want any information from anybody else. <laughs> it came from. Well, it came from ESPN. Hamlin showing signs of progress, um, signs of progress overnight. Your mains hospitalized in critical condition, but that's um, great news. That's awesome news. Thank, thank God. He's still sedated, but doctors saw promising readings overnight from Hamlin. They had hoped that they had hoped to see by this morning. That's kind of what they're. I guess they're we're hinging on Wednesday morning progress. So, like fingers crossed. But damn, that was scary. Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, to your to your point about like the physicality, how, how, of the yeah, game. just how physical it is, and that's that's again where Georgia's depth and quality of depth is the biggest difference here between these two teams. I think the quarterbacks, Size. yeah, quarterbacks aren't that different. Star weapons on offense aren't all that different. Coaching staff, not a huge difference, but the the, the depth for Georgia, in particular on defense versus TCU, is very different. Um, again, I'm picking Georgia. We're gonna have a fun recap for you guys uh, on Tuesday next week. Uh, we we think. <laughs> so, so, so stay I'm tuned. saying Georgia by 10. Stay tuned for that. I, I, I think you're right that it's that, that TCU covers. If I was gambling, I would say TCU and maybe the maybe the under. I might go under on 63, but I, obviously I don't feel very you can tell I don't feel very convicted about that. Yeah. A uh, couple other quick notes here before we get to Sam Khan of The Athletic, who covers all things TCU. Um, six Florida players have entered the NFL draft. By the way, I'm, uh, you showed off your puppy, your Christmas gift. I got a couple of Christmas gifts myself. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see that hat. So I've got this hat on. And for Tennessee fans in my life, it's very difficult to understand because my brother and sister-in-law from Florida bought me a we, we do the uh, Secret Santa stuff. And so we have a price limit and we try to have fun with it and everything. So I got this actually quite awesome all orange hat that says easy living on it with a gator. But it is very clearly a Florida Gators hat. So it's hard to wear in Tennessee <laughs> with my Tennessee fans and family and friends and, and then try to explain but I love the hat. It's a it's a great looking hat. I it love is the a hat. good hat. Now, here's the other thing. I don't know what people think about me because this is a goofy hat, but I like it. But my four year old picks out this hat. <laughs> oh, it, good for like, her. This is as trucker as trucker hat gets. No, so that's freaking awesome. She's I a great gift giver. I got a unicorn cabinet and they said shit on it. And you got that. <laughs> It's a it's a pretty awesome little checkerboard pattern on the top, but it's like a it's as trucker as trucker gets. You don't think so, you can pull it off? No, I don't care. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about what I wear. I wear everything for my daughters. If my daughters like it, then I wear it. And they like this gator hat and they like this trucker Tennessee hat. So I'm well, gonna wear them. So I'm gonna wear them. That's all she wrote for you then. <laughs> I pick out all my clothing based on my daughters. Um so f- seven six Florida Gators already going to the going pro. You got Jalen Hyatt, we know that. Cam Smith for South Carolina, Forbes for Mississippi State, Zach Evans for Ole Miss, um, Hazelwood and Sanders for Arkansas, Bigsby and Wooden for Auburn, obviously Anderson, Gibbs, and Bryce Young are going pro. Uh Keyshawn Butte, who's uh I don't know if you saw the story about partying. <laughs> well for Mr. I... Butte. His name, he's appropriately were, named, he's an appropriately named wide receiver. <laughs> several people involved in that. I did not like that story. Oh, okay. Well, explain. No, 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 no. I just was, it, I mean, he, he, like. Do we need to, do we need to go further detail about this story? No, no, actually, I really don't want to. 
<laughs> I really don't want to. Just, just, just listen. We can. I can talk about my four-year-old daughter giving me a Christmas gift at, at, and also a sex party right after that. I'm totally yeah, fine. Yeah, you're I'm versatile totally like that. <laughs> totally fine. Let's just say that he's uh, appropriately named. BJ Ojolari, of course, also going pro. Texas A&M got, got a bunch of guys in the portal and a bunch of guys going pro. You got Devin A. Chain. You got Johnson and Jones, the defensive backs going pro. Um, I thought the interesting one, because Richardson's gone, KJ Jefferson coming back is a really interesting story for Arkansas. That really, That really is interesting to me in terms of what Arkansas could be next season. That's a huge win for them. Um, we'll get to, to to Hooker and Bryce Young and Joe Milton in a second, but I think I think that K.J. Jefferson story, that's kind of sneaky. I know it was a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago, but we haven't really talked about it. That's a sneaky big win for them. It is, and it's, you know, Arkansas was disappointed with where they ended up at the end of the season, I think six wins total um, for them, and just not what they were hoping for, just the signs of progress that they had showed shown going into the season and their ability to build this program and retaining coaching staff and just kind of building a culture. It just didn't go the way they wanted it to. I think keeping KJ Jefferson gives them another shot at the season they had hoped that they would have this year. Um, And just honestly, it's been interesting watching what he has been able to do without Traylon Burks, who's now here at Nashville at the Titans um, and just watching him kind of develop and becoming more confident and I, I do think that how about, it's how about be, staying healthy. <laughs> well, that would be great stay, too. Stay but healthy. just it's gonna be like this is being able to keep key players like this, someone that's at the very core of the way that your system works on offense and it's a team leader, is a it's you're right, it's a huge win for them. And hopefully Arkansas will have the season that they hope that they had, had this year, next year. So I want to get to uh, Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, real quickly, a freaky stat, and then the Joe Milton performance in the Orange Bowl, and what does it mean? What does it doesn't? What it doesn't mean for everybody moving forward? Before we get to Sam Khan, but of course, for gentlemen, is brought to you by Je Dunn. I can't top the puppy thing. Yeah, you brought a real live puppy into the ad. I, I brought mean, a I real puppy into the Je Dunn ad. So. I'm not sure how it sells people on Je Dunn as a company you'd like to work for. I just said it makes you as happy as blank. Oh, okay. Uh, happy. I mean, I also, I, I've already, I've also organically done several J.E. Dunn ads today. I actually sent my friend, who I'm not going to say her name because I don't know if her employer knows that she hates her job, but <laughs> um, to J.E. Dunn yesterday. She was scrolling through their job list. Dude, over 200 job actually, openings. Actually, I'm going to text her and see if she applied for anything. Over 200 job openings across the country. Definitely 25. I got dozens of offices across the Southeast, of course, for USCC football fans. Top 100 healthiest place to work, $5 billion in annual revenue, and you do not need any experience or background in building $150 million buildings. That, that, that's, like, that is what they do, but that's not who they are. Who they are is taking care of their people, and that's why you go work there. Because even if you got an HR background, if you got an accounting background, if you got a marketing background, if you got an architecture background, they, they're interested in all of that because they want the best people. So if you're looking to make a change... New Year's intention time of year. You want to upgrade your life a little bit? Go go check out Jay Dunn, jdunn.com. They've got a great list of jobs there all across the country. So somewhere in your area, they've got an opportunity. Or if you want to move and you're tired of the place you're at, you want to change, go check it out. jdunn.com te- is the place to go. I texted her and said, did you end up applying for Jay Dunn and sh- for a job at Jay Dunn? And she said, yep, I'm out of this bitch working on my application now. <laughs> no, she did not. <laughs> yes, she did. She's funny. There you go. Yes, uh, we got one. I'm not sure if Jay Dunn wants to hear that language. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> From a future employee. She said but... it in a text, so <laughs> she didn't yell it on a podcast like me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, okay, go to jedunn.com. All right, before we get to Sam Khan, of course, who's going to give us all things TCU, get you guys a look at that team and that roster and the matchups and what the plan is for the Georgia game in the national championship. That's right, TCU, Georgia in the national championship. Never before Insane. seen in, in the wild, which is fun, which is a lot of fun. New stuff is fun. Let's hope it's a great game. Um, great job by him. He's going to give us a lot of cool insight. Um, but I wanted to touch on real quickly, first of all, a, an incredibly random stat from Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young. They both finished their careers. And we'll get to Joe Milton in the future. They finished their careers with exactly 80 passing touchdowns and exactly 12 interceptions. That's wild. How'd you find that set? Well, I was just looking at their career numbers and like, I was like, wait a second. That can't be, that can't be right now. Now they played different, you know, Hendon Hooker played a little bit more at Virginia tech for a couple of years. Bryce Young didn't play at all in his first season. So Bryce Young 
was more productive in just two years as a starter. He threw one touchdown pass. So now they both ran for a bunch of touchdowns too. Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. Hooker ran for like 25 in his career. Bryce Young ran for like seven. So I, I think what the grand total was in the two, this is what's really extraordinary. And it's why they were both on my Heisman ballot and why they both should have been on yours. Um, what's fascinating about this is in the last two seasons, which is when they largely were starters in the SEC, um, Hendon Hooker, 68 total touchdowns, five interceptions in two full seasons, 11 win season this year, and obviously Heupel's first season last year. Equally absurd, Bryce Young, 86 total touchdowns, Shit. 12 interceptions in two years for Alabama. I think we will spend some time this offseason like diving into some of the legacy stuff for probably definitely for Bryce Young, Heisman yeah, totally. Trophy, national championship game, but also Hendon Hooker. Like the, the the level of production in two years from these two players at the same time. Yeah. And then to build up to the game in which they both were so good against each other in such a historical moment. I just found it super random that they finished with exactly 80 passing touchdowns wild. and 12 interceptions. I, it means absolutely nothing. Other than like, I, yeah, it was like, like late. It was late at night. in your eyes <laughs> to see if it was real. I was looking at this going, what? Like, seriously? It's just it's just kind of random and absurd. But I think it does. It just is like a. That's like cool. A, it's an anecdotal stat that shows you how dominant these two players have been in the last two seasons in the SEC. And like, that's not meant to be insulting to Stetson Bennett or Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or whatever. But like. Uh, and I guess we should mention, by the way, Jaden Daniels coming back to LSU on the same on the same playing field as as KJ Jefferson. We should probably mention that as well yep. with him with him coming back. But I just think I think we're going to look back on these two guys, and I think even this offseason we'll probably have some time to really dive into like the legacies of of Hendon Hooker because you couldn't. T- J- Tennessee was playing a football game against Clemson. Uh, it was an exhibition charity event, close to a football game, and like Hendon Hooker was on camera more than everybody else. <laughs> I don't know if you watched that game, but I no, I, I did. And I saw, I mean, it was constant. It's like when, you know, when the guy has like a hot girlfriend, like remember AJ McCarron, all yes. they showed was his girlfriend the whole time. That's what they did to Hendon now, Hooker. Now his wife, right? Aren't they married? Yeah. Yeah. That they might've been married at some Catherine, point during, Catherine their, Webb. That's right. during their college career. I can't remember where they got married, but yeah, his now wife. It, it's funny. Cause like, cause he, you know, Hendon Hooker writes the players tribune article saying goodbye to Tennessee. Like he's just the, if you want your kids to grow up, and I think Bryce Young's not all that different. Like, if you want your kids to grow up and have an idol or have a football player as a role model, which they are not, but if you want one, I don't know how every they single fan. Be. I don't think how everybody in this fan in this conference can't think that Hendon Hooker is not. And again, Bryce Young to a lesser extent, but like, I'm writing children's books. I, I am like leading the team when I'm hurt. I, I set all kinds of records. I carried this team back to prominence. I, I should have finished fifth in the Heisman. Statistically, I'm the most productive player in history. And oh, by the way, I'm like the best dude on the team, too. Like he's Braden's Braden's rewriting the little Hendon that could. <laughs> That's I mean It's honestly I, not a bad title. I do, it is really good title. I don't think he's nearly as big of an NFL prospect. I've said that for a long time, as Tennessee fans want to believe. But my God, I think he's a number one overall human being. Yeah, he's up there. <laughs> So, and Bryce Young's not all that, like, he's an extraordinary dude, too. Like, it's this is a guy who's in Dr. Pepper commercials, like, as a college athlete. Like, God, must be nice. I I just think we're going to look back on these two guys, and they're kind of going to be connected because of that game. And I think, same thing with the Stetson story being further removed. I think when we get further removed from Hinton Hooker and Bryce Young, we're going to appreciate what they did. Um, And now let's get to to Joe Milton. Joe Milton played a really good game in that, that Orange Bowl. That's a nice, nice win. For a Tennessee organization, I got friends coming over on New Year's Eve saying like, oh, what do you think about Milton? What do you think about Joe and Tennessee? And I'm I want to say the same thing. Yeah, because you you haven't been that. Well, I nice poo I poo poo the bowl game results. I don't think he made a couple of really nice throws to the back of the end zone. The first one to Brew McCoy was really great. Like there's some really great throws in that game that I have not seen from him yet, which is important. But it's also not a real football game. I mean, Clemson, he had 250 yards and three touchdowns. Give him some. Clemson went for a fake field goal in the first possession. Like that would never happen in a real game. I just, I'm just saying like, it's not a, it's a bowl game. So <laughs> I, I think Joe, I, I want to clarify my stance on Joe Milton so that everybody understands what I'm saying. Cause I think I've been misunderstood on this. Oh, great. Everybody. I think everybody believes that. I think Joe Milton is garbage is terrible. And if I've said that, then I was wrong to say that. I think you he have is a, said that. <laughs> I think he is fine. 
I think he is solid. I think he's capable of leading this team to this six. This is or- nicer than you've ever been about him. Well, I will call you out on this. I don't, I, my opinion, okay, that may be fair, but my opinion on Joe Milton has never changed. I think he is a solid, okay quarterback with extraordinary talent that's never been great. And if he can win six, seven, or eight games for this team, I think that's 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 what I think the ceiling is for for Joe Milton, maybe at most. Now, ironically, this is what we said last last season about Tennessee football, and they blew right through that. I think Hendon Hooker, you cannot tell we cannot get just get finished having a conversation about how unbelievably important, critical, and amazing Hendon Hooker is, and then remove him and expect it all to be exactly the same. So my no one, no one with a brain would do that. I know some Tennessee fans are doing that, but you shouldn't. My my real point is don't overinflate a bowl game performance to mean anything in the future. If he had been terrible in that game, I'd say the same thing. If he was terrible in the in the Orange Bowl against Clemson, I would say no, you wouldn't. You'd say I told don't you. look. I'd be like, no, I, I no, I don't. I bowl games don't mean shit, man. Nothing means anything in a bowl game. It doesn't mean you're going to be. Good I don't next think year. we'd be talking about it really at at well. No, I don't think it means anything. I don't think it means they're going to be good next year that he was good. That's the point of this. I don't think it means they would be bad next year if he was bad. I don't think the bowl result means anything. I think their defensive depth. I I I agree with that, but this is nicer. No, their defensive depth chart is is a major concern next season. The depth on this roster is a major concern next season for this team. And I don't think Joe Milton has the individual skills to overcome all of that. That's all I like. My opinion on Tennessee football in 2023 has not changed because of an Orange Bowl performance. That's that's what I'm. That's my ultimate point. Is Joe Milton's fine? It's fine. He's nothing special, but he's fine. And Tennessee is not going to all of a sudden now be a 10 win team because Joe Milton threw a couple of nice passes in the Orange Bowl. Like that's all I'm getting at here. Well, if anyone thinks that, they shouldn't. Okay, good. See, now we're clarified. <laughs> Someone's gonna go pull the tape on you. It might Listen, be me. Fine, I'm just kidding. Do it. I don't. I, I don't no, have time. Fine. I don't that's have fine. time to do that. I'm not going to. I don't know to 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 make me look bad. You probably find some time. <laughs> at, at a different point in my life, I absolutely would have. I I just don't think the the scouting report has changed all that much on Joe Milton. That's all. Unbelievable cannon for an arm, howitzer for an arm, physical skills off the charts, average performer in games. And I think that's good enough for them to win seven or eight games. In his defense, also hard to follow who he had to follow, who we just talked about as a legacy player. Right. So when you compare, when you're comparing Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, anyone's gonna, anyone would struggle to keep up with that. But maybe that's what maybe that's what you meant. Maybe you just meant he was bad compared to Hendon Hooker. Listen, if I use some hyperbole because I was frustrated and saying, "Oh, he sucks," then I shouldn't have done that. That's my fault. But I, because I, because there's a big difference, and I complain about this all the time on on sports commentary world, <laughs> Twitter, radio shows, whatever. That like there's a middle ground between elite and garbage, and a lot of times we just create those two categories for sports players, teams, coaches, whatever, and we just put them into one of those two categories when really there's like 15 categories in the middle. And, Sorry, go ahead. Well, it doesn't it doesn't drive ratings and get clicks to be like, yeah, he's he's okay, he's fine. <laughs> He's he's a fine player. He's nothing special, but he's nothing terrible. He's fine. That well, speaking of clickbait, here's I'm going to stir the pot for everybody, just in case everyone needs a recap. And if you're not watching this podcast, but in fact, listening to it, Braden is shitting on Tennessee's quarterback in a Florida Gators hat. Oh, come on. That is not happening right now. That is <laughs> it's not happening right now. Number one, exactly it is not what's happening. God damn it. <laughs> number one, it is not a Florida Gators hat, and number two, I am not defecating on the on Joe Milton. I think he's a fine player. I just don't think he's as good as Hendon Hooker, which I don't feel like is that outlandish of a statement. And a Gators hat. Oh God, shut the fuck up! All right, okay. okay. Are you done? Are, are we, we done? I yeah. Are we done? I think we're done. All right. I'm just s- trying to support my own family history with my crest. And Braden's wearing a Florida Gators hat. This is right. too good. Make this the clip. This is the clip for social. All right. Well, it's not up to me. It's not up to you. So we'll see what happens. Um, all right. Listen, Sam Khan of The Athletic going to join us next to talk all things TCU and Georgia in the national championship game. Good to see you, Sam. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. And as you are the self-proclaimed expert 
<laughs> on the show. We do appreciate you giving us some insight into what's going on. Now, before we get into the matchup and the, the layers of offense they're going to need to attack Georgia's defense and all this other stuff, I, I just like, can you give folks outside of the state of Texas some perspective or even just you've covered college football a long time? Like, the per, so wh- how unprecedented is TCU? Preseason number seven, first year head coach. Max Duggan, obviously, it started a lot of games, but he was the backup technically coming in. Like, can you try to explain and put into words and perspective how unprecedented this is that TCU is playing in the national championship game? Yeah, it, it really is because I, for all the reasons you mentioned it, to me, I think it even goes deeper than that. To me, it we're talking about a program that was left in the wilderness and outside of college football's power structure 27 years ago. You know, when the Southwest Conference broke up and the new Big 12 was formed, TCU wasn't one of the teams to be in it. And they spent years toiling in the WAC and Conference USA in the Mountain West before they eventually got back to a power conference in 2012. So that the, the fact that they even made the playoff to begin with, given the journey they had to travel the early part of the 21st century, to me is remarkable because we haven't really seen anybody else do that. I mean, I think Houston is the only other team other than TCU that's I, that was one of those teams that was left out that ended up getting back, back to a power five conference. And they're not getting to it till next year when they go in the big 12, it, it's really difficult to go from a have not to a have in college football. So that in and of itself, it was a remarkable accomplishment. And of course they got really close in 2014 under Gary Patterson and, and just missed the playoff. But when you look at this team, I always thought the talent was there, not, not necessarily to play in a national championship, but at least to be, a team that contends for a Big 12 championship. I mean, Gary Patterson did a good job recruiting, but for whatever reason, they did not maximize their potential the last few years, and especially last year when I thought last year they'd be a dark horse Big 12 team. So what this new yep. staff has done with Sonny Dykes is they've unlocked the talent that they have, just really just utilized it and kind of uh, provided a little bit of a different vibe in the building. But it, but to go from a team that we thought, hey, if they're 8-4 and four, you know, this season, that's probably a pretty good year one for Sonny Dykes to – Getting to the Big 12 championship, starting 12-0, and and now playing a national championship game, it, it's unbelievable. It's completely bonkers. I don't think people understand it. Um, first of all, it helps when you have a lot of Baylor alumni on the uh, board of trustees in the education system in Texas in the early 90s. That's how Baylor gets in. I, <laughs> I, I, was, I was living in Austin at the time when the Big 12 was formed, and uh, the politics at play, very, very heady stuff there. Um, so, that, But that is the question, ultimately, because... It, you alluded to this. TCU, if you took Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12 the last 12 years, TCU would probably, from a composite sort of five-year average, would probably have the best recruited roster in the conference. I don't think people realize that, that they kind of slid in and were automatically like two or three in the, in the conference, out again, outside of Texas and Oklahoma. So what has, what has been the difference? I mean, Max Duggan started a bunch of years. So what has been the difference with Sonny Dykes, he goes and gets Joe Gillespie from Tulsa. Like, what is the actual, like, what's the actual meat on the bone there that actually changed everything? I think it's a few things. One, I think they've done a really good job of taking better care of the players. There, there's been a real emphasis from Sonny Dykes and, and his strength and conditioning staff on getting guys to eat better, getting guys to sleep right, getting guys to prevent injuries a little bit better. You know, one of the first things I remember him doing when he was there in the spring was they walked on the practice turf in the indoor practice facility and Sunny Dykes was like, this is, this is not good. Like we, we got to get this out and we got to get something in new. Cause our guys may, may hurt themselves on this. So that, that was number one is, Hey, take better care of the guys. Number two, I think he just brought in a more relaxed vibe. I think it's no secret that Gary Patterson is very competitive, very intense. We saw it on the sidelines every Saturday. He's very hoarse after the game, you know, <laughs> talking to reporters, but that, that was practices too. You know, there's a lot of hollering and screaming, and, and, and that's a lot of coaches do that. That's t- totally fine. But there's more than one way to skin a cat, and Sonny Dykes takes the opposite approach. If you go on a, on a practice field, you're not going to hear him blow the whistle a ton. You're not going to hear him hollering at guys a ton. Really, he's letting the coordinators do their jobs, let the position coaches do their jobs. And I think that change of pace, you know, after, after a while, sometimes you just need a fresh voice. And I, I think TCU benefited from that. And then lastly, I'll get to the coordinators. Garrett Riley and Joe Gillespie have done a really good job. Riley, of course, we saw what he did at SMU uh, with Tanner Mordecai, did a really good job with him and that offense. He's really helped Max Duggan become a lot better as a quarterback. His footwork is better. His pocket presence is better. He's His touch is better. His accuracy, he's throwing guys open. He's not firing 
every pass five yard slant, a hundred miles an hour, like he did, you know, early in his career, Riley's done a good job of coaching him up. And then defensively Gillespie has taken a team that has a lot of talent, a lot of uh, raw athletes and been able to put them in really good positions, installed a new defense, but, but still able to maximize the talent that he's had. And overall, I think this team has just, like I said, maximize the talent they've had and then added added a little bit too, more to it in the portal for sure they've added some key players this season but for the most part this roster is pretty similar to what it has been so it's hard to to talk about this tcu team uh, like <laughs> it's hard to replicate kind of creating your own luck because luck is a part of every championship run in every sport for every team but like tcu sort of done it for themselves which is really hard to replicate kind of the entire season but they figured out a way to do it defensively, when you look at what they did against Michigan, a team that had thrown four interceptions the entire season, clearly getting two pick sixes is unusual. Again, some of you could say fluky or lucky, but really like you create that as a team. Now you're going to go up against a Georgia, a Georgia offense that kind of likes to do it however you want them to do it. Like they're fine doing whatever you want. That's the weakest unit of the four units in this game. What do you make of Joe Gillespie's ability to scheme against Stetson Bennett, those tight ends, McIntosh, the receiving core, and what what Todd Munkin's doing for Georgia. Yeah, it's going to definitely be a challenge because I think the one thing that you would have thought Michigan had an advantage with against TCU was at the line of scrimmage, and for whatever reason, it didn't seem like they leaned on it that much. I think of the Philly special on fourth and goal at the two in the very first drive of the game. If if I don't know, I'm not a coach, but if I if I were Michigan, I'd probably line that ball up and run it right at right at your freshman defensive tackle. That was yeah. going up against your All-American center. Yep. I don't think Georgia is going to kind of outthink itself in that regard. I think they're going to be smart about, hey, let's test these guys the line of scrimmage and see if they can handle. It. And if they can stop the run, then we'll go do something else. But but I think that's where it's going to start for Georgia, and, and I think that's a smart game plan because TCU is not a shutdown defense. They are very fast. They they do a really good job of coming around. Like I saw Michigan try to pull, you know, a lot of guys. And TCU was able to chase guys down from the backside, and they did a really fantastic job of that. I think Georgia's going to try to run right at them at first, and I, I think that's a smart strategy to go with. And again, if if they're successful, great. And if they're not, then then I'm sure Georgia will adjust. But it's going to be a challenge right starting up front for TCU to, to handle this Georgia front. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was 21-16 with six minutes to go. They still gave up 30-plus points the rest of the game there, or I guess 29 points the rest of the way. They just couldn't Michigan just couldn't didn't have an answer for TCU or frankly, every time Michigan answered TCU had an answer. And a lot of that was some of what why Ohio State was able to threaten Georgia is because of the layers of talent and the layers of playmate. Like if you take away this guy, they've got another guy. If you take away that guy, you got this guy. CJ Stroud was able to run the ball a little bit, which Ryan Day kind of refused to do most of the season, but but did in that game. And that all challenged and stressed Georgia's secondary. Bryce Young and Alabama did it last year in the SEC title game. Obviously, Quentin Johnson is a superstar, and Max Duggan is playing great ball. It seems like Kendra Miller is going to be back, so you can give us an update on the health if you've got it. But the question I have is, like, do they have the layers of guys? If Georgia decides we're going to take away your superstar number one NFL draft pick at wide receiver because we know you have to use him, and he's the reason you beat Michigan to some degree, what what else can they go to? Is is there another layer of stuff that that Sonny Dykes and and Garrett, Garrett Riley have? Yeah, absolutely. That that's one thing. Actually, I think middle of the season, you would say people were wondering if Quentin Johnson was getting the ball enough because yeah. they were using all the other guys. They were using Tay Barber, a veteran receiver in the slot, using Darius Davis, who they love to use on fly sweeps, jet sweeps, any any kind of motion action. He, he's their speed guy that they love to get the ball to. So I, I would look for them to go that way. Kendry Miller's health is going to be critical in this. I think for TCU to have a shot, I think he has to be healthy and ready to go. Uh, Sonny Dyke said on Tuesday that he felt pretty good on Monday morning after they got back. They did some tests. They're going to keep monitoring him throughout the week. He called him questionable. But and I talked to Kendry after the game on Saturday night. He felt pretty optimistic about him being able to come back. But, you know, we'll see as the week goes. But Kendry's a little different dude. Amari DiMercato did a great job against Michigan, and I'm sure he'll do a great job if, if he's called upon uh, in the title game against Georgia. But, but Kendry's different. They really, really do need him yep. uh, because he's been the bell cow for them all season long. So if Kendra's healthy and they've got Darius Davis, get get him a little bit more involved than they did against Michigan. 
get Tay Barber involved, get Jerry Wiley, your six, seven tied in the transfer from Texas. He didn't get involved a ton, but he he's a guy who's got some size and can move a little bit. That's another one that you can use over the middle. If you're TCU and you're Garrett Riley. So they definitely do have a lot of different weapons to go to if they need to. This is sort of an impossible question to answer. Otherwise you'd be making millions of dollars coaching football um, as we all would be, I, I guess like normally we get into these situations where a team is a heavy underdog, 13, 13 and a half, whatever you're looking at when the number is for TCU. But you always kind of see these wrinkles from these coaches in these championship settings. Sometimes I remember AJ McCarron throwing the ball at Tyron Matthew in the 2011 championship game, just thinking like, <laughs> that's not what LSU expected. I bet. <laughs> is there a thing that, that you could see this team doing that just like I think Trevor Lawrence running the football like 16 times against Ohio State a couple of years ago in the playoff, right? Like there's always sometimes you see these ring. Is there something that Sonny Dykes, that Riley, that that TCU could do that you've seen flashes of, that you've seen in practice, or that they've kind of hinted at, but they haven't really used that 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 all of a sudden on Monday night, Georgia's sitting there like looking around, going, like, how what what are they doing here? Is is there is there a wrinkle that you can even fathom? There's two things I would look for is one, I think TCU's done a good job of it this year. I don't don't know they've leaned on it as much of late, but they've done a real got, good job on the perimeter. The quick touch game, the let's get the tunnels, let's get the ball on the perimeter, let's get everybody going east and west. I, I don't know how well that'll work against Georgia just because of how much speed Georgia has. But but I could see them trying to attack that early just to get some easy completions, just to get things going. And the other thing is Max Duggan's legs. We've seen a lot of that this year, but I think when all else fails for TCU, if guys are covered, if we can't get the run game going, one thing you can rely on is Duggan can get you some yards, whether it's lining up in the quarterback power, whether it's dropping back and getting away in the scramble game and taking off. He has been the linchpin for this team, and he's been the guy that's been able to kind of bail them out of situations when things break down. And I think that's that's ultimately what is going to have to help TCU stay in this game is yeah. when those things happen, when Georgia bottles them up, Max, just take the ball and just carry us across the chains, carry us across the goal line like you have a lot this year. And I think that's what you're going to see TCU rely upon. I'd love to see like that Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, like, you know, the Greg Roman, Lamar Jackson stuff. Like, let's just what, all of a sudden there's like three tight ends and two fullbacks. And Georgia's like, wait a second, we <laughs> we didn't expect that. And it's just it's all power football for Max Duggan. It, you could do a lot worse things uh, if you're trying to trick Georgia. 13 and a half. What do you think of the number? I think it's fair. I think it's fair. It's about right. I know a lot of people make a lot uh, of TCU and their fight and, and them being overlooked for so long, but I think Georgia's a little bit different talent bracket, even than Michigan. This is yeah. this is a team. I, I went and looked at the talent composites and how many four-star, five-star guys combined they have. Michigan had 44. TCU has 17. Uh, Georgia, Georgia has 68. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a little different category we're talking about. I, I always thought and you even heard it when the playoff seeding was announced uh, back on December 4th. I think TCU was hoping to get Michigan because they felt they matched yeah. up better. I think they know this is a different beast when they're facing Georgia. So, so I think yeah. the number's pretty fair. Yeah. I, uh, I wouldn't gamble on the game cause don't gamble against this TCU team, but I, the, it, this, we had such great football on new year's Eve. Sometimes the sports gods don't let you have the championship game and the semifinals and, uh, obviously this team has been here and done it before in Georgia. So it's going to be a tall task. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for joining us, man. We do appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the championship game on Monday. We thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was Sam Khan. Uh, the blue chip ratio, Aaron, which I think is fantastic here. The blue chip ratio was 68, four and five star players for Georgia, 44 for Ohio state, 17, for TCU that that is a lot to overcome when almost 80% of the roster you're facing is four four and five five stars that is that is hard to overcome if you're TCU I know we kind of gave our predictions earlier um I I, I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna go 33 24 Georgia how about that that's a TCU cover you you that's what you said earlier no, I know. I've, I've kind of evolved a little bit. Yeah, I because you, you just I, changed it. I said TCU loses, but I said Georgia by 10, and now you're copying. You're just you've, getting... you've talked me into uh, uh, Cousin Dukes. Um, you're like playing... the person that goes after, like, it's the you're the person that goes after someone on the price is right. Like, I just said. You can change your t- You can change Georgia your by 10. You're going by nine. No, I'll stick to it. 
No, no. I said I could see this being like 31 to 10 and that being like an ugly, nobody wants to watch it, obvious Georgia victory. I know, but then I said Georgia by 10. Now you're going Georgia by nine. You undercut me by a point. I'm basically basically buying into cousin Ginger Duggan being able to make a couple of extraordinary plays. (laughs) Make make a couple of extraordinary plays. Oh, my cousin. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're talking about Max. And and cousin Q. So it's cousin Q and cousin Dukes that that are going to make a few a few spectacular plays and i think there's a it's probably more of a backdoor cover than like a close game that georgia needs to score in maybe i'm trying to will it into victory here but i you've talked me into tcu team of destiny having a little bit more opportunity to do, to move the ball on offense uh sunny dykes garrett riley i believe in the coaching staff i just don't think it's enough that to overcome that talent gap that talent gap is too that talent gap is almost always undefeated in championship settings so I'm just adding an extra touchdown, basically, to TCU because you've talked me into that, basically. So well, you should be proud of yourself. What are you talking about? Go because Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely adding a G to this sweatshirt. For if he game. wins, if he wins a national championship, does he get a soul on the podium? Does like a soul come down? Does Tim Tebow? Does Tim Tebow walk out on the field and give him a soul? I have does a national he- championship ring, and I still don't have one. Well, I Tim also Te- didn't play in that game. Well, and uh, Tim Tebow is is ordained to give souls as far as he I know, is. as yeah, far yeah. as I know. <laughs> no, most people don't know that. Circumcisions and souls. That's what Tim okay. Tebow does. Okay. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks to no Sam Cobb for hanging out with us. <laughs> Go to jdunn.com if you want a great career opportunity. <laughs> oh no, don't oh, do the oh. ad here. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the national championship game. We'll be back on Tuesday with a special a special guest to recap the Georgia TCU game, regardless of what happens. For Aaron Dugan, I'm Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Special guests for a special group. <laughs> Tough. <laughs>